What do you think a fly and that is trapped in a house and you have in common? Well, I often say this to myself. Why is this fly? And granted, I cannot do harm to anything, let alone a fly. When I see a fly banging its head against the window, wanting to get out, and I'm graciously standing up and opening the window and wanting to let this fly out, guess what? The fly is still flying against the same spot, still doing exactly the same way, and it is not seeing that I actually just opened the window. And don't you know people that do exactly the same? You know, the, the friends that are saying, oh, I'm just, you know, not really lovable. I'm not interesting. Oh, I'm getting old. I will never find anyone. And so you convince them how amazing they are and how much they have to offer. Just try to go out on dates and they don't listen. Or the people that you know, like your mom, totally busy, always doing too much. And you try to tell her that she needs to take care of herself. Does she listen? No, because she says no. No one will do what I'm doing, so I have to always, you know, clean up after everyone. Again, is that the truth or are these excuses? Or me, you know, I made excuses for many years. This is the reason why it took me about 10 years between the first and the second book, because I told myself, well, I have too many clients, there's too much going on, I don't really have time to write. Well, the fact is, A, I didn't take the time to write, and B, Underneath that was a fear, a fear of what if I'm not writing a similarly great book as the first one? Well, I liked the first book and it won some awards. So I guess there was some bar up there and I thought, oh my God, what if it's gonna be completely BS? So I was procrastinating around it, but I told myself the excuse, I don't have time. And I want to just share with you six of the most common excuses that we tell ourselves that hold us back. And I want to hear from you also if you know any excuses that you know are holding you back, where you're saying like, well, I'm just like this fly. I just don't even see the opportunity. I just bang my head against the window, even though there is something much better like freedom on the other side. So when we are giving ourselves these excuses, I'm not saying that, oh, we have to feel ashamed now. I'm just saying we are doing this for other reasons than we are pushing forward or telling others and ourselves. And we want to get to the bottom of it because then we can actually address those excuses, which ultimately are lies because they don't really reflect the truth of who we are. Excuse number one, I can't do this. Well, I mean, who has not said this before? I cannot do this. But in the end, it's a limiting belief. And it's a limiting belief that basically says that we are not good enough. Now, do you remember when you were a little baby and you were crawling on the floor, and then one day you had this amazing inspiration, let's get up, let's walk a few steps. And then you fell down, maybe on your nose, maybe on your butt, and then what? Maybe you tried it again, and you fell down again. Did anything inside of you say, I can't do this, I give up, give me a wheelchair, that's it? Or did you actually say nothing? 
maybe you had an instinct that says, I cannot give up. This is important. I need to walk on my own. Same thing with maybe being able to feed yourself or getting out the, the first words. When you really think about it, we have unlimited potential. But if we are saying to ourselves, we can't, we are not looking at this potential. So if you are telling yourself, I can't, you don't know yourself enough yet, or you have been ignoring yourself. So maybe you want to just sit down and write down some of the things in your life that you're the most proud of, or some of the greatest accomplishments or the obstacles you overcame, and then think about how you did it. Did anyone carry you on the other side or do the things for you that were successes? Or did you have inner resources like maybe tenacity or you were creative or you were really just good at making a plan and moving forward or you're just super smart? All of the things that are inside of you and were inside of you when you had these successes are still there and you can still use them. So I can't is definitely a big excuse and it's certainly something that holds you back. The second one, it's, it's too hard. I'm too overwhelmed. And that's a good one because in the end, it's again making something bigger than ourselves. I think, and maybe it sounds harsh, but I think we do have a little bit the attitude that things should be just always easy shouldn't really be difficult. Life is more like a, a vending machine. You just put a little effort in and then you get your chocolate out. And to be honest, you know, it's not that way. Anything that was worthwhile getting out of the womb, just like I said, getting up and walking, going on a first date, or maybe leaving home and going to college or getting your first job or anything that you remember, that really made a difference in your life was pretty hard at the beginning. And hard is not something to be afraid of. Hard is actually something to, to embrace because it shows you what you're made of. It does give you a sense of, wow, this is pretty amazing. I was actually not realizing how much potential I have inside. And isn't the purpose, the bigger purpose in life to really find out who we are and what we are capable of and not just be this little chicklet in the egg that feels comfortable but never wants to venture out because what if I fail? What it, if it doesn't work out? My friend Gerhard from Germany, he's a hard guy and, uh, and he said, or he often says, that it feels so good when it's hard when you afterwards have this sense of whew, Wow, I did it. You know, climbing a mountain or building something and just feeling like, wow, this was really tough, but I, I did it. And, and so the celebration and the feeling of pride for yourself goes exponentially up the harder it is. So don't be afraid of heart. There is nothing too hard and there is nothing too overwhelming. I have Sometimes people telling me that, uh, you know, their mess is too big. They're far too behind on, you know, paying the taxes or it's just too overwhelming to lose 75 pounds. They can never get there. And the problem is that, that when we feel this overwhelm, we are looking at the whole, whole thing. We're looking at the big pile and 
And that scares us because how can we really address it all? And we're not realizing that ultimately it is simply like a, you know, like a hike. I mean, I love to hike and I love to hike from A to Z. And when you hike, you're not thinking about it's still 750 miles to get there. You're thinking about what's today's stage? How far do we go today? And that's what overcomes overwhelm. You know what you want eventually, but you only focus on what's in front of you. So if you have a mess to take care of, if you have you know, some bills to pay that you want to change, if you want to change your health or be better in relationships or make amends with the people that you hurt or find ways to just stop self-medicating, start with really small achievable goals. Start in ways that it doesn't overwhelm you, but it gives you a sense of accomplishment. Clean up the little corner that right now is in front of you and makes you fall over something every day. Just notice when you do that, there is some building of trust and confidence inside of you that happens and it motivates you to do this again the next day, small. And eventually you feel stronger and you feel more self-assured that you can also tackle bigger things. There is no overwhelm. There is only a lack of planning and a lack of prioritizing. I had a client who told me that she feels it's too hard to tell her husband something that happened to her when she was little. And she really was, you know, distraught by that. And at some point, she convinced herself through, you know, our conversations that maybe what she was doing was already assuming that he will reject her, assuming that he will judge her and assuming that this will not work out. So she already kind of, you know, wrote him off and told herself, ah, it's not the right guy for me just because she felt it was too hard. And guess what? She did have this conversation. She brought herself to do it because it weighed too much on her soul to keep that secret. And he responded better than she ever would have imagined. And that really improved the relationship. That made the relationship so much more solid because there was no longer a wall between them. Plus, he also opened up and shared something that had really bothered him. So. When we do really see that the hard stuff has also often the chance to get the best outcome, we are actually looking for it. Number three is this will be a waste of time. Now, isn't that an interesting thing, this waste of time thing? Sometimes people tell me, oh, this relationship was a waste of time. I spent two and a half years for nothing. But in the end, is it really just about the bottom line is it like, you know, a tally sheet where we're saying, well, good, 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 good. In the end, well, this means like, you know, I won or I gained something. Or isn't time something that's always precious? So whatever we are experiencing, whether it's a good outcome, a happily ever after, something we succeeded in or something we failed in, isn't it always time worth spent? because we can always learn something from it. It always teaches us something. Yes, we will not always get the outcome we want, but there is still something inside of us that we can hold on to and feel like, wow, if I would have not had that experience, I would really not know this about myself or this about people or life, or I would not be the same person. So whatever you do, it's only a waste of time if you're wasted. 
meaning if you are not aware, if you are really not paying attention. So let's just see or tell ourselves there is nothing a waste of time and there is another waste of time if you do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That is where the next one comes in, where people say, I have tried it so many times, it's not gonna work out. I already know I'm gonna fail. Well, that is where they tell themselves, similar to the waste of time, why should I try? Now, underneath that, when you're really honest, underneath that is that fear of failure. And failure is such a big thing for people because we are somehow raised with the idea they are winners and they're losers, and you certainly don't want to be the latter, so you always have to succeed. And everyone who actually has made something amazing happen tells you that failure is not really the truth. Failure is simply a feedback, a momentary snapshot. The only way you fail or you call it a failure is when you had an expectation that didn't get fulfilled and then you tell yourself, oh yeah, that's it, that's the end, finish. You're not saying to yourself, oh, course correction, I guess something didn't work out, let's see what I can do better, let's see how I can get there. Because then failure becomes a teacher, it becomes something you're kind of embracing because you're saying, wow, I'm going to get better now, I'm one step closer. I know a little bit more what kind of changes I need to make to make it better, easier, uh, more successful next time. I always love failure because I don't take it personally. I mean, now in the past, certainly I took it very personally because when I had failure, I got in trouble with my parents. So that wasn't a good thing. But now I think failure is something that was probably one of the biggest teachers one of the teachings it certainly is about you know what can you do better but the other teaching is also to let go of the attachment the attachment of always having to be the winner or always getting what we want or always having to have something to show for our efforts no sometimes it's okay it's also sometimes to okay to fail by getting a rejection because that can also teach us something. It can teach us that the person that we thought we want is not the right person for us because obviously there is a disconnect. There is not really that what we want, which is a mutual interest, a curiosity, and ultimately an appreciation. So rejection can also really be a positive because it can save us a lot of headache in the end. Then there is this, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Now, don't we hear that? I mean, I told myself this about the book and, you know, you know other people that say, well, sorry, I just, it's not a good time. I'm just having too much on my plate. Oh, what a big excuse is that? And the big excuse is basically that we don't prioritize what we really want. Now, this can be a lack of motivation. It just means like whatever you want to or should be changing you don't really feel it's important. You know, some of the greatest procrastinators are the busiest people because they are focusing so much on anything else, doing all the right things for the wrong reasons, whereas they should 
for example, take better care of themselves. I think busy people often avoid that, what they feel brings them discomfort. So whether it's like looking after their health, I know overachievers that have a really a hard time to address that, you know, their family is falling apart. So they are just going rather into the office than having conversations with their children. Or, you know, people are really focusing on building their business when at home, you know, the, the husband feels unhappy because he seems to be ignored. And, you know, I don't want to have these conversations. I don't want to go into couples counseling. Or other people really have, you know, physical ailments. I mean, coming back to me as a great example of how not to do it, I should have changed my diet. I mean, I became vegetarian, you know, a long time ago, but I definitely ate way too much cheese. And if you live in France like I do, cheese is just like, you know, the, the food of the gods. And so you cannot help yourself. But I did eat too much and I knew it. But I told myself always, well, cut it down, do eat something else, uh, maybe low fat or maybe some soy or I didn't do it until my uh, gallbladder kicked me in the behind or on my side and got me into the hospital. And since ever then, I woke up and said, well, no more excuses, no more, I'm too busy. And now, you know, I don't have time to watch my diet. I'm just having to give to everyone else rather to myself. So realize that when you're telling yourself you're too busy, you must be probably afraid of either not really getting what you want or what you should really deal with, afraid of failure, afraid of discomfort, or maybe you just feel like that right now, it's not important to you. And that's okay. You know, a lot of change only happens, like in my case, when the pain is greater than the fear of change. So sometimes it's just a, a waiting game. We just have to be a little bit more patient with that change. But overall, watch your excuse of being busy. It's one of the words that I cannot really stand because it's such a socially acceptable excuse to not show up, not show up for yourself or not show up for others. It's like this, this cover up that basically shows you, well, I'm a worthy human being. I'm productive. I'm busy. But in the end, it's really just a hideout. It's an avoidance that so many times we push for because we don't want to be seen as lazy or as incapable of doing something else. Whole different topic. I'll get to it another time. And the last one is I don't have money. I don't have money to change, to go and see a coach, to take a program, to take care of myself, to go to the doctor. I don't have money. And many times that may be the case. But often I also see where people tell me they don't have money, that they do actually have money. But then they have another excuse. I don't want to go to my savings. Or, you know, I just got this from the insurance company. Like a client of mine told me she got 100K, but she doesn't really have money to do this program that I offered her. And the reason is, when you really, when it comes down to it, that we don't feel we deserve to spend money on ourselves. Now, again, as I said, there are times where we really have no money. And then we have have to look for ways to still make change, maybe in small ways, maybe in different ways. When people come to me and they want to work on their anxiety and they cannot afford the one-on-one -on -one sessions, I often 
you know, just suggest do that uh, video seminar and then come back to me and we talk about what you can learn and uh, things you can adjust. So it's really only 10% of the cost of the individual sessions and they don't do it. So sometimes we also have to ask ourselves if the money excuse is simply another way of telling ourselves we will fail, so why invest in ourselves? Or another limiting belief of I'm not really worthy of spending this on myself. Maybe I'm not even worthy and changing. The point I wanna make is look at what you tell yourself that holds you back from changing and having what you want or having what's in your heart's desire. Something where you just feel like, yeah, well, I have said this so many times to myself and I have really pushed away something that I know could make a difference in my life. So what's underneath that? What do I need to address? Is it a limiting belief? Is it that I'm simply afraid of failing or discomfort? Is it that I feel like I don't deserve it? Is it that I'm afraid that when I change, people may not like me? People may actually find me no longer you know, interesting. Is it that somehow on some level I prefer this, helped, uh, this uh, learned helplessness rather than to be empowered and take responsibility for my life? And another one that can be underneath, and I love to address this, secondary benefit another time is that you feel that other people did this to you. Whatever you feel like, you know, you want to change and you should be changing, it's actually other people's fault. They got you there, they abused you or they treated you badly or they betrayed you. And so because you blame others, you don't really want to change because you want them to see how miserable they made you. You wanna show them that you are still suffering. And maybe on some level you hope that they're gonna, when they see your suffering, feel really bad, and gonna come to you and say, I'm so sorry, I realize how horribly I behaved. It's never gonna happen. They already moved on and you're still stuck, but it's still one of those common things that you have to realize that also may hold you back. So rather than feeling like you are a fly that just always believes there is a, a window, a glass front between you and what you can have, just step a little bit back and see, well, maybe what I'm doing is just lying to myself, distracting myself, telling myself that, well, this is good enough, I can be in my comfort zone, and always postponing, 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 and then at the end, giving up. There is a reason why so many of us are depressed and anxious and feeling down, because we do live so much in those excuses and in those stories that basically we tell ourselves without really trying. And I do believe that life is about failure. Life is about exploration. Life is about going in the total wrong direction only to be more motivated to find the right direction. Life is about realizing that we are ultimately unlimited in our nature, that there is so much we can learn and grow, and there is so much that we can offer. But like a 
a diamond. Sometimes we have to really put the, the pressure of wanting it more than being scared of it on us in order to really understand what is inside of us. And also like in my case, what is your purpose? What is your contribution? And that is not always an easy journey, but it's certainly the best you can take.